Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, be a dad this weekend and uh, letting me uh, just be with you in, in this format this morning. Um, you know, there's uh, times in life when, uh, you know, you just got to be that dad first. So uh, I am off with my family and uh, celebrating my daughter's uh, college graduation. And uh, just know that we're thinking about you this morning, praying for you. And uh, yeah, just again, thanks for your willingness to be here today and let me be with you in this uh, this kind of format. And uh, while I'm saying uh, some personal stuff, hey, happy Mother's Day to uh, everybody out there. And I uh, hope it's a great day for you. And uh, just hope that uh, God can continue to bless you in that role uh, as a mom. Well, what I want to do this morning is uh, get into the text as quick as we can because there's some exciting stuff. I mean, it was... Uh, not that long ago that we did a message series called Dealing with Def- Difficult Days, and we did a study of, uh, of First Peter. And uh, we walked through that study looking at you know, the situation those folks were in and how they were coping and, and what the Word had to say for us in terms of how we deal with uh, our own challenges and our own difficult uh, days. And uh, we kind of ended that series in uh, chapter number four of uh, First Peter, and uh, Got to tell you, I love it because I, I entered the series and had a number of people come up to me and say, wait a minute, there's another chapter. What are, what are we doing here? Why are we finishing out the book? And uh, that was good for me because, uh, first of all, it, it told me that people were listening, which I always like to know that after all the hard work that people are listening. Uh, but hey, it also uh, reminded me that uh, the folks here at Christ Church really do want to get engaged by the Word. So I rejoice that uh, we can get back to First Peter now. And uh, so what I'm, I'm going to do this week and next week is just uh, finish out First Peter. So we're going to do First uh, Peter, uh, the finale, and uh, simply look at that last chapter uh, of First uh, Peter, chapter 5. And so today, if you brought your Bibles with you, now's the time to open them up. Uh, get to First Peter uh, 5, and uh, we are going to just be looking at uh, the uh, first seven verses of First uh, Peter uh, this week out of that chapter 5. And uh, kind of set the context a little bit. Remember that when we, when we did the series uh, dealing with difficult days, um, we were acknowledging the situation of these people, that they were dealing with some really tough stuff. I mean, it was literally life and death situations that there was this wave of persecution that had arisen against the church, that Rome and the authorities were pressing against them. Uh, the Jewish leaders were continuing to oppress against them. Uh, that these these folks who, who were Christians were living in a very hostile environment. And yet Peter would write to them and give them those, those words of encouragement that would help them to uh, not only carry through but overcome this hostile environment. And uh, if you look at the end of chapter 4, he, he makes kind of a, a summary statement at the end of chapter 4 that is a, just a great summary statement for us to live by as, as we deal with the difficult times and the situations in our own lives uh, these days. He, he ends chapter 4, uh, verse 19, saying, uh, If you suffer for obeying God, you must have complete faith in your faithful Creator and keep on doing right. Now, let me pause quickly and say, hey, now's the time. If you don't have your Bibles, you got to grab the half sheet, by the way, that's in your uh, handout this morning because... I'm up on the screens, so you won't be able to read the scripture on the screens this morning. So make sure you got that half sheet uh, and can follow along. But that summary statement is the way he wraps up 
chapter 4, and, and really it's a summary statement for, for us, just as well as the people he was speaking to then, that uh, it's about exercising that complete faith. Now what he does in chapter 5 is he takes that exercising of complete faith and he applies that into the situations, uh, specific situations uh, of our lives and makes a call about what it's going to look like if you're exercising that complete faith. Um, He's going to challenge us really to say, hey, look, this is what it should look like in our lives with each other, in our lives together as the church, in our lives as we're walking in this world as a follower of Christ who is just absolutely sold out, completely, utterly committed to walking in faith. Here's what it should look like. The next thing he does then in chapter 5 is he takes that call to complete faith and he applies it in a way that says, look, if you're going to exercise complete faith, then you have to be ready to receive God's call on your life to become a leader. That's fundamentally it. He turns to the first, the first part of chapter 5. He turns to us and says, look, God calls leaders. He calls leaders in the church. He calls leaders in the world. If you're going to be absolutely, utterly, completely walking in faith, you've got to be ready for God to put a call on your life to step up and become uh, a leader. If, if you look at the text, uh, he says, church leaders, I'm writing to encourage you. So he's starting with church leaders, but I think we can see as we go through this, the application is more than just church leaders in our lives. That, that obviously God needs to raise up leaders within our fellowships and within the church uh, to be just completely exercising that faith. And uh, keep in mind that, that a leader is uh, someone who is uh, just a person of influence. And, and obviously, in Peter's case, it's, it's a person of influence who can influence others about Jesus Christ and about this faith. Peter is understanding that God works in our world, and one of the ways he works in our world is to lift up leaders. And, and notice he speaks to us as a fellow leader. He doesn't speak to us as, as kind of a, a prince or a commander and, and give us a command or a charge. Instead, he's intentional in the text to, to come alongside us and say, look, this is what's happened in my life, that God put a call in my life and he raised me up to be a leader in the church, and that's what God does. If you look again at the text, he says, church leaders, I'm writing to encourage you, I too am a leader. You see that? I too am a leader as well as a witness to Christ's suffering. Peter understands that all of us are witnesses to Christ. He says, look, I've been a personal witness to Christ's suffering, but if you're going to be completely sold out of Christ, you're going to be a person who walks completely in faith, then you are a witness to Christ. But he also recognizes that God puts calls on our lives in times of our lives to step up into roles of leadership and influence. He says, as well as. I'm a witness for Christ. That's a given. But as well as, at the same time, God put a call on Peter's life to become a leader. And that God put that call on his life so that he could share in his glory, in the glory of Jesus, and show it to other people. Isn't that great? 
I mean, you getting this now? I mean, Peter understands the importance of having godly leaders. He understands the importance of having godly leaders. He says, I will share in his glory when it is shown to us. You see, he understands himself as a shareholder. He understands himself to be a shareholder in the glory of Jesus Christ that pours over his people. If you're walking completely in faith, remember, if you're walking completely in faith, then you are a shareholder in carrying the glory of Christ in this world. And as you carry that, you are a witness. And God will also put a call on your life at different times in your life to raise you up to become a person of significant influence in this world. Wouldn't you agree our world needs people to step up and be leaders, godly leaders? And as we look around the world, we look around the country, look around the church, we look around at everything that's going on in the world, this is just a great reminder for us of what Peter's saying. He's saying, look, God needs his people to step up and take on positions of influence in the church and out there in the world. To, let, to be those shareholders who let that glory of Christ work in them and through them and out into the world. Now, here's the rub. Here's the challenge for us. Notice his next words. He says in, in verse 2, Just as shepherds watch over their sheep, you must watch over everyone God has placed in your care. Now, look at these next words. I highlighted them for you in the half sheet so you can't miss them. He says, Do it willingly in order to please God and not simply because you think you must. Let it be something you want to do. Isn't that great? That's the rub. You see, what's, what's he telling? God is going to bring you, if, if you're walking faithfully, you have to accept that at some point in your life, at times in your life, God is going to bring you to a position, put a call on your life to say, look, you need to be a person of influence in this situation. You need to be a person of influence for the cause of Christ in this group. You, you, you need to be a person of influence who, who feels that call of God on their life and is willing to step up, step up and lead in the church or lead in the world. God puts calls on our lives at different places, different times, according to whatever the circumstances we're going. As we walk in faith, He puts these calls on our lives and He wants us to do it willingly. Isn't that the rub? You know, not just because, oh, geez, I oughta, oh, geez, I should, you know, begrudgingly, but willingly. Notice He says, do it willingly. Why? Because you just want to please God. You see, we don't step into positions of leadership because we want the glory. We don't step into positions of leadership because somehow uh, we want to raise our stock, right? We, we step into positions of leadership because we know what God has done for us. We understand what Christ did for us, how he stepped into that position of leadership as Savior of the world, and he did it willingly. Why? Because he said, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, Father. Isn't that right? That wasn't easy. No, it wasn't easy, but he stepped into it because he knew that's what God placed in front of him. That's what God wanted him to do. And that's the way God works with us. If we walk in this complete faith, 
then we have to be ready to receive willingly and eagerly those times in our life when we have the opportunity to be that person of influence and a leader in that place that he puts us. Notice he says, do it willingly. Instead of something you merely make money at or something, and don't be bossy to the people who are in your care, but set an example for them. And that's all he's calling for. To be a person of influence, to step into that position willingly as a representative of Christ, making that witness all the time, and setting an example. Setting an example. That doesn't mean you have to be smarter, doesn't have to be wiser, you know what I mean? It means you've got to be willing to walk faithfully. Willing to be just that faithful disciple of Jesus, to walk faithfully and step into that position of leadership. And be willing to set that example. Set that example. We get that other places in the scripture too. We can look at Isaiah 1. It says, if you willingly obey me, the best crops in the land will be yours. You know, again, God's looking for us to, to willingly step into those positions of leadership. To, to not resist it, but say, God, I, I feel this call on my life. I understand you're asking me to do this. And, and willingly to step into it. And sometimes we need to seek the counsel of others and, and go to other Christians in the community and say, you know, I really feel God's leading me this. What do you think about this? Does this sound right? Does this sound like my being faithful in my walk? And if you get confirmation in that, then you've got to be ready to say, okay, I'm the one God's placed this on. I'm going to step in. I'm going to step out. And again, I think we all agree that this is what our world is so desperate for. Our world is so desperate for some godly leadership in, in all kinds of places. You know, in, in our schools, in our work, you know, in our church, obviously, uh, in, in our government. I mean, the world needs to have God's people accept the call, and step into those positions of leadership. And uh, we've got the example of what that is. If you, you, again, look at Jesus in John 13, it says, I have set the example. He's shown us how to do it. He's shown us what to do. I have set the example, and you should do for each other exactly what I have done for you. Peter wants us to understand that God is going to bring us to opportunities. And those opportunities are to step into positions of leadership and to become people of influence who set that example and make that witness for Jesus Christ. And we need to just be uh, open to that, to understand that, and uh, willingly, not begrudgingly, but willingly go ahead and step into those uh, opportunities. Now, that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, I'm sure it sounds a little scary in some ways, but, um, you know, to think that God would put that kind of opportunity in front of each one of us at some point in our life. It's just an awesome gift that God gives us. Now, the question is, as we, as we step into that, then we have to say, okay, well, how do we do that? What, in, in what way? And here is where Peter gives us a word of wisdom and caution. Because he describes for us now what it means to step into that leadership, what the attitude of our mind and the attitude of our heart needs to be as we step into those positions of leadership. And, and it's so interesting to me is that the first place he starts is by talking with 
young people. So young people in the room today, uh, you need to hear that, that Peter is talking uh, directly uh, to you this morning on this one, right? As, as you get the opportunities for leadership to step in and be a person of influence, in verse 5, he says, all of you young people should obey your elders. What's, what's he getting at? Well, what we're going to see him talk about in this section is we do leadership and influence, but we do it with all humility. So young people, it's not about power. You know, Peter's not telling you that, well, hey, you need to just be, be underneath, right? You'd be, you'd be powerless. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, no, you need to step into positions of leadership with all humility and respect those who have more experience. You, you need to take seriously those who have more experience than you do, right? I mean, you need to be able to just understand that there's other people uh, who God brings around you who, who have already walked some of the some of the paths that God's going to place in front of you. And, and this is the way God prepares you to become that leader, to step into that leadership by seeking the counsel of those around you who are older and perhaps wiser because of their experience. You know, they've already run into those places where uh, people never tread, right? And, and now they know the experience of what it means to just kind of run into it. And so they're willing to share that with you, and that's going to make you a better leader. Young people, God is preparing you with this verse. He's going to make you a better leader by getting the attitude of your heart in the right place and saying, look, there are people around you that you can just seek counsel from as you mature, as you grow, as you step into mature leadership. Take advantage of them. Take advantage of those people around you who are older and have some experience under their belt. I mean, it's Mother's Day, after all. And so, uh, hey, this is kind of one of those Mother's Day verses, I think, where, where God reminds you young people today, man, take advantage of this day with your mom. You know, make sure that in the course of the day, it's not just, you know, happy Mother's Day and here's a present and good, great, fine. But, you know, find out some stuff from your mom. Have some talks with your mom. Sit, sit down today or tomorrow or, you know, whenever God creates the opportunity and just learn from some of the challenges that your mom has gone through. You know, let, let it be a time where she can give you some counsel about how to be that person of, of influence. And of course, moms, this is your opportunity. Don't miss it. This is your opportunity that, uh, you know, God can give you this position of, of being that person of influence in your child's life and, and helping to grow them to become the leader God wants them uh, to be. Well, he also then gives us a broad statement that, that talks about just translating that sense of humility, uh, not just to our young people, but translating that sense of humility to, uh, to all of us. He says, in fact, I like it when he says, in fact, everyone should be humble towards everyone else. The scriptures say God opposes proud people, but he helps everyone who is humble. Who should we be humble toward? Everyone. You see, what he's describing for us is this is the position that we should take as we set our example and as we influence other people. It's not with haughtiness, but it is with humility. Now, we've got to be careful. Now, uh, Peter here is not talking about self-pity. He's not talking about you know, drowning in our own sorrows. You know, he's not talking around being fearful all the time. He's talking about an attitude of our heart that is confident in Christ, 
but does it in caring, humble natures that, that puts ourselves lower and elevates someone else. You know, sometimes people ask me, say, well, you know, pride, one of those seven deadly sins, and, you know, isn't it wrong to be prideful, Pastor? And, uh, you know, I, I guess my answer to that is, you know, if that's the case, then, I, then I'm guilty because there's things I'm pretty proud of. You know, I'm, I'm proud of Christ's church. I'm, I'm proud of what's been happening and, and uh, you know, the way our leaders have led. And I really am. I'm proud of what God's been doing here. And I'm proud of my kids. You know, I'm celebrating my daughter's graduation here. And, uh, hey, I'm going to be proud of her when she walks across the stage and gets that diploma. And a little happy that tuition is over, but definitely proud, you know. Uh, is that a bad thing? No, it's a good thing because... My pride is not simply in them or their accomplishments. My pride is in knowing that God's favor has been upon them. You see, that's the key. And that's what Peter's calling us to. The, the, the humility is exercised, yes, but it's exercised in a confidence. It's exercised in a holy pride that points beyond the person, and it points to the God who stands behind them. I'm proud of my kids. Why? Because they've done great things, not on their own, but because God has blessed them, enabled them, and because they've been faithful in Him. And so I'm proud of them, but I'm more proud of what God's done in their life. Does that make sense? It's a pride that looks beyond it. That's what humility does. Humility puts us lower and elevates others. And most of all, it puts us lower and it elevates what God is doing in our life. Our humility is, is not just a humility towards other people, but it is a humility towards God. And that's why Peter quotes Proverbs 3 there. He says, God opposes proud people, but he helps everyone who is humble. He opposes proud people. See, we're talking about God here. He, Peter is quoting Proverbs, the wisdom of Proverbs, and saying, look, you've got to understand, this is the way God is. Why would God oppose proud people? Well, he opposes anything that elevates themselves above him. He opposes anything that elevates anything else or any other person above him. And he rewards the humble, right? He helps everyone who is humble. Why? Because humble puts themselves lower and is walking in faith totally dependent upon God. I was just uh, this morning at uh, a breakfast, the governor's uh, prayer breakfast, and uh, uh, one of the, uh, the speakers there, the guest speaker, was one of the Chilean miners, uh, one of the 33 miners that were captured in the collapse of a mine down in Chile. I'm sure you all remember that. We were all watching you know, the, the screen and fascinated by uh, how the rescue took place and everything. And um, it was really uh, interesting to listen to this man as he described uh, what happened to them as a community uh, when they were trapped, those 33 trapped uh, down in that mine. And he makes a, a tremendous witness to us about the power of humility. Uh, he, he described that, that early on in, in the early experience, that after the dust cleared and after they found out everybody was fine and took care of medical things and started organizing themselves, that he said they came to a point where they, they all came together in one place and they had to just humble themselves. And, and he describes how they simply humbled themselves by getting down on their knees, getting down on the face of that mine floor, and just praying. And understanding that their rescue 
was only going to come by God's grace. Now, they knew it would take the work of other people, the work of experts and a rescue team, and some miracles had to happen. But at the same time, they understood the rescue was going to come because God's hand would be involved in this experience. And, and he describes how from that moment on, everything changed in the mind for them. When they humbled themselves, there was a confidence that they all shared now in God's providence uh, over their lives. And, and as he talked, he shared that he really believes that their point of rescue wasn't when the, the uh, bit broke through the wall of the mine or when the, when the uh, cabinet came through to carry them away. But the point of rescue is when they humbled themselves and said, this has all got to be God's doing. Isn't that great? This is the image that Peter wants us to get. I want you to remember to who Peter is talking He's talking to people who are being persecuted. People who are being persecuted and killed and tortured. He's talking to people who are suffering for the cause of Christ. And what does he ask him to do? Step up and be people of influence in the church and in the world. And just humble yourself before God. And he next leads us to say, put yourself under the total power and control of God. He says, it, uh, he says it this way, if you, if you follow through in verse 6. He says, Be humble in the presence of God's mighty power, and he will honor you when the time comes. Isn't this great? Peter challenges these Christians in the midst of persecution to step up as leaders, to become people of influence in the witness for Christ. It's going to put them at risk. And yet he says, look, the rescue has already taken place. The rescue has already happened when you humble yourself and you surrender your life to Christ. I know there's folks this morning in this room who, who need to still have that experience of just really giving that total surrender. Get, giving life into the total control of God. That, that's what Peter's calling for here. Be humble in the presence of God's mighty power. Uh, I'm always amazed that, uh, you know, basketball players, when they can just go over and pick up a basketball and palm that basketball. I don't have hands big enough. I could never do that, right? Just go pick up that basketball and hold it around like that. But, I mean, think about that image. And, and the reality is that that's what Paul's, or Peter is talking about here. He's saying, look, put yourself under that mighty hand and powerful hand of God who, who is able and capable to work in your life and in the world around you. He's saying, look, you can just surrender, humble yourself to that incredible providence and power of God in your life. And that's all you need. Just humble yourself and say, look, God, you are in total control of my life. You know what this means? It means when you're making a decision, you let God make the decision. When, when you're setting a path in your life, a course in your life, you make sure it's a path and a course that is, is consistent with what the scriptures teach. You, you let God have total control of your life. You're under his power under his power and you humble yourself to say i'm not going to make the decision i'm not going to be the one pushing this way or that way i'm going to let god lead me in the direction that he wants my life to go now this is a challenge for us because so often what we do is we say hey lord look this is what i think i ought to do and, and this is what i think i want to do and and so will you please just bless that and and we set a course and then we say 
God, I hope it's the right course. Would you come along for the ride? Would you just put your favor on it? But we don't let God make that decision. Peter, in the midst of these difficult days, is challenging them to step up as leaders and just saying, surrender yourself to the power and the control of God uh, in your life. And he even challenges them to say, not only surrender every decision, not only surrender your whole life, but surrender the time in which your life unfolds. He says it right there. When the time comes. This is so hard for us. This is so difficult. Because he's calling us to not only surrender our lives, but he's calling us to say, and Lord, do it according to your time. Anybody love going to the uh, doctor's office and, and uh, waiting in the doctor's office or uh, you know, going wherever you've got that appointment and you're supposed to have that appointment at 10 a.m. And, and you know it's now 10.30 and you're still not in? We don't like to wait. And yet Peter is challenging us here to say, look, that's what walking in faith means. That's what surrender means. It means not only letting God take control of your life, but letting God decide the times in your life. Letting God decide the times of when things unfold. And ultimately, ultimately Peter ends this section by giving us the invitation that allows us to do that. And it's a simple invitation to just simply cast all of our cares and all our anxieties onto God. To trust that God is big enough and capable enough to be able to deal with everything in our life. He says it this way. He says, God cares for you, so turn all your worries over to Him. See, He knows what He's calling us to, stepping out in leadership, letting God take control of our life, letting God decide the times in our life. He knows this is going to create anxieties in our life. We want to be in control. But He encourages us to say, hey, look, remember, remember, God cares about you. God knows every hair in your head. God cares about you. God knows every circumstance in your life. You listen to that miner that I talked about down in Chile, and, and he just would give a powerful testimony and say, look, God was so present in that mine deep in the earth that the Holy Spirit was always present after they humbled themselves in that mine. And, and the evidence of that is that 33 miners were down there and, and this guy shared his faith with these 33 guys and, and they kept coming to de- together every day in prayer and as time went on, they came together twice a day in prayer and before the whole experience was over, 22 of those miners came to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Isn't that awesome? Because they learned the power that God cares for them and they can trust Him. God cares for them, and they can trust Him. Peter wants us to be in that same position. I know there's some today who are really struggling, that there's something going on in your life, and you're, just, you're trying to figure out which way you need to go. Uh, the answer is, you need to just be humble, and, and let God let God lead you in that decision. And, and, and just cast all the anxieties, cast all the worries, cast all the decision-making Cast all the direction, cast all of that under God's power because God cares about you. He, he will not let you go. God cares about you. And God cares about you enough to let his favor rest on you, to let his blessing rest on those who are humble. Remember, that's what it says. God opposes the proud, but he helps everyone who is humble. 
God cares enough to be able to raise you up to a position of leadership and influence. The key, it's a humble attitude. A humble attitude that learns from others, especially those more experienced than us, that that takes in the counsel of others in our life and is able to let God give every step we take his blessing and direction. Listen, God cares about you. Whatever you're struggling with today, whatever you're seeking today, I just want to reassure you along with Peter and say, look, just humble yourself before God and let him have that mighty hand of power in your life and let him decide the time. And he cares enough for you that he can carry every burden and anxiety. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your grace. We ask ask that you would just exercise your authority in our life, that you would uh, help us to walk in that example of faith that Peter has called us to and and to set that example in places of leadership by being willing to just trust you above everything, cast all our anxieties, all our worries on you, and trust that you care about us more and that you have a path for our life, that you have a time for our life, that you have a purpose for us to achieve and accomplish. So call out the leaders that you, uh, that you desire. Place it on our hearts this morning that we can become great influencers in the example of life in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.